This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouths of the South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer. I am Eric Quintana. He is Sam Franco. And Sam, this team is on a roll. Atlanta United right now sitting in sixth place in a playoff spot. Just I, I would venture to guess it's the, they're the hottest team in MLS right now uh, based on the way they're playing, based on uh, the front four Atlanta United's got. And I don't know what slows them down. I will say that I think the bigger story is the the – resurgence or, or emergence, I guess, of Barco and what he's done with his team and what he's done as of late. Um, I can tell you right now, I was not, obviously was not an, a fan of his. I was very much in favor of selling him as soon as possible for whatever you can get him for to open up that DP slot. Um, I was very much ready to, I was done. I was counting him out. Now, what I will say is that he is prone to injury, so he could get hurt in the next week or so and be out for six months or whatever it is. But uh, so long as he keeps producing, I'm not going to be complaining. I can tell you that much. Um, I do. I, normally, I, I would say consistency is key, but he, I think seven weeks now, two months, essentially, of good play, that's pretty consistent. Um, now, this is the biggest, longest stretch that we've seen out of Barco where he's played this way. Uh, so can he continue that? Can he ride that wave? Is that a Gonzalo Pineda thing that that he's been able to kind of uh, – uh, unlock Barco much like uh, Valentino did uh, and no other coaches have been able to do. Is it the addition of uh, Araujo that, that, that has kind of helped uh, open up space in, 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 you know, in the attack um, Joseph kind of finally coming to, well, he's been back in form for a bit, but uh, you know, coming back to form and, and rejoining the team Moreno doing his thing. It's, I'm I'm much more confident in this team's ability to attack. I'm much more confident in in the the future of this team within this season, and I'm happy to say that that it it looks like Atlanta's back to the ways that we've wanted them to get back to since Tata Martino left. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're an Atlanta United fan right now, <clears throat> you just got to look at the you know results. I mean, going back to July 30th, the three two loss to Orlando. Uh, the lone blemish on their record since then, when I say blemish, I mean a loss. You know, there have been some draws, but the lone blemish was the 2-0 loss to Nashville. I mean, Atlanta United, like you said, have been on such a great run of form. Um, you know, and and you were asking kind of what, I guess, has led to that. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a number of different things. I think, you know, the kind of dark cloud that was hanging over them when Gabriel Heinze was manager, you know, it, it might have taken a little while to, to, to dissipate or whatever you want to say, but it just seems like the, you know, number one thing would be the addition of Araujo to the lineup because he's kind of freed up everybody else. You know, he's, he's very fast. You know, we saw on the goal that he scored against uh, Cincinnati where, you know, he basically took the entire team on by himself from the midfield line and, and just scored a thunderous goal. I mean, he's unlocked the offense and he's got, you know, 
Barco's playing better because of it. Joseph is playing better because of it. And this team, like you mentioned, is clicking on all cylinders. And the, the crazy thing about Barco is, and, and I'm kind of upset that Josh isn't with us today because, you know, he would just be talking crap to all of us and making us feel bad for doubting Ezekiel Barco. But, you know, even, even to, you know, discredit Josh a little bit. I mean, where was it? You know, what, what could we have seen from the guy? You know, I understand being patient and waiting for a guy to kind of find the right system or whatever, but up until we're, that point, we're, th- we're you know, three years in it's a, it's, it's yeah. time. <laughs> Atlanta United had taken an L up until like, you know, two months ago, basically like in terms of the transfer, in terms of it being at the time, the most expensive transfer in MLS history, uh, I believe. Um, all these things, you know, get broken so quickly, but it was definitely one of the most, if not the most expensive transfer in MLS history. And you wanted to turn him, you know, around and make a profit off of him. And it didn't look like that was really going to happen. Now, you know, Ezekiel Barco's really turned it on. And I don't know if somebody got in his head and was just like, look, if you want to go to Europe, you got to pick it up. And he certainly has picked it up. He has looked brilliant, uh, scoring goals, assisting. I mean, he's just really become a complete player here in these last two months and and, and the the way that the entire team is playing it's just it's just a much freer style and a, and a much they just look in terms of body language on the pitch in terms of you know not having your heads hanging and things like that it, it's just from top to bottom a completely better product than what we were seeing earlier in the season and you've got to give credit to a ton of different places but you know I think Gonzalo Pineda ha- has done a really good job of um you know particularly not you know, messing too much with what uh, interim manager Valentino was doing, I think. I mean, obviously you want to bring in your own style and bring in your own, you know, way of doing things. But we also saw during that run of form under under Valentino that, you know, there were some signs that this team could be pretty good given given the right, you know, leadership and coaching. And I think Pineda's done a fantastic job since he's taken over of, of kind of rolling with that. Well, it's interesting to note the timeline in which uh, Barco has kind of played with Man United. He, he walks into a team, uh, in its second year of existence, and and he's got, you know, very early on, he's got the, uh, uh, oh, what do they call it? Um, oh yes, the uh, the infidelity. What what was the actual term? Call it? Barco Gate was, I think, something that. But you're thinking more along the lines of like what it actually was. But what 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 did what did Tata call it? I can't remember. Nah, it, man, it, it's the, killing me. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to look so, that like, up. So like, we're gonna as soon as this podcast ends, we're gonna remember it. But whatever. He he uh he gets in Barco Gate happens. Uh, you kind of struggle with him through that. Then, you know, he kind of gets sat down by Tata um, and he's kind of sort of to an extent put in his place a little bit by, by a manager that, that wasn't high on him. Um, and so you could make a good argument that Barco just didn't want to play for Tata, not that he wasn't being a professional and playing, but that he didn't feel good about uh, Tata being his, his coach after everything that transpired. Um, and, and then you've got, uh, Frank DeBoer, who nobody liked. And so it's not that crazy to think that Barco didn't really want to play for, didn't want to, didn't feel, what's the better way? Because not wanting to play is not the right way I want to phrase it because he's a professional athlete. He's going to play no matter who the head coach is. But the point is, is that it's not the best fit for him as a player. You know, uh, uh, Frank DeBoer being his his head coach. Mm-hmm. Then you Frank DeBoer leaves, you've got an interim. Then you've got Heinze who comes in. And, uh, you know, he lasts as long as he lasts. So it's not, you can't, you're not able to mesh well with, you know, someone like him and, and Barco and maybe he's Valentino shows up or, or, or is placed in the position. And it felt like at that point, Valentino just said, guys, uh, you know, go play. 
and it's obviously much more complicated than that. There's obviously a little bit more structure, but the point is they looked freer. They looked like they could attack more. They looked much more, uh, much more excited to play the game. Um, and then obviously Pineda comes along and continues that. And maybe this is the first time where we have a non-interim head coach, at least that Barco can, can enjoys playing for, uh, for lack of a better term. Now, again, I say that, I'm not saying that he didn't enjoy playing with Atlanta United before now. What I'm saying is that he's finally got a good, uh, a good, a good match for a head coach. That, on top of the fact that Moreno, even before Adeluju was kind of uh, showed up, uh, was playing well. Joseph Martinez was coming back, and then you add someone like Luis to the mix, and all of a sudden you've got all four players playing really well. Um, I think that the the kind of the mix up top when it comes to how this team attacks. Um, and how kind of free flowing it is, is, is a massive help. I think you're seeing Barco in positions to where he can't, where he's not, um, he's not kind of uh, overwhelmed by players around him. He's, he's in, he's in a lot more space now. Um, and I mean, that, that's also with the inclusion of, of a back line that's been absolutely stellar. You, you, you've made some additions to the midfield that are really panning out now. Um, and so you're just looking at a, a more complete team than before. And, and it took us a little longer to get there from a fan standpoint than maybe we wanted it to, but you know, it's here. And now Atlanta United is looking like, look, they're in sixth place now with 36 points, but New York city is in third with 38. So it's not like they're yeah, that the, far the separation from... between Atlanta United and like the top of the table and Atlanta United and the bottom of the table is crazy. Yeah, it's like five even, points on either even, side. Yeah. They're, they're not even that far from second place uh, Nashville for, for 41 points. So look, it's, you know, you still got everything in front of you. I don't, you know, you're not going to catch England, New England, but you've got, you're not going to catch England either. Cause it's yeah. coming home. You've got to, uh, you know, you've got to be happy with, especially with the way the season started. You've got to be happy with the progress that that the players have made. Because think about it, they could have easily just cashed in this season, uh, you know, when 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 their coach got fired, and they didn't. They they kept playing. They 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 found a way. Uh, you got to give massive props to Valentino. I know we've said this a million times now. Massive props to Valentino for finding a way to 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 just to flip flip that switch for them um at least yeah not just times. keep it afloat because that's pretty much what an interim manager is tasked with doing is keep it afloat until we find the real manager and not only did he keep it afloat <laughs> he went well above and beyond that he helped he helped I, I i would venture to say that he helped find a way to really bring out the best in barco so that Pineda could come in and easily transition whatever that whatever was working there to to uh to what's working now now josh uh, who we who we actually tried to get on the podcast, but because of scheduling conflicts, we just couldn't make it happen. You know, he would argue, and there are other people that would argue that Barco has always been this good, uh, and it's not the you know the the addition of, of Pineda that all of a sudden makes this you know this the, that that it's Barco by himself that has always been this good. You guys haven't seen it. Uh, now he's showing his true potential, but I, I go back to your point, you know, where was this up until the last two months? Where was this kind of dominant, um, you know, this dominant Barco that, that now looks like he might be able to, to, to impact a game by himself. We saw him do it uh, 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 last weekend. With the free kick and the assist to Joseph, we saw him do exactly what we wanted him to do for a long time on a consistent basis. And we haven't seen that, you know, the injury situation is still huge to me because I, well, I don't want that to happen. Uh, You know, he has been prone to that. So 
as long as he stays healthy, as long as he he uh, he is able to continue producing at the rate that he's producing, I, I I'd want to sell him, but I want to sell him for different reasons now. I want to yeah, sell him exactly. because now it looks like you're getting a player you're profit that right that can really impact a team somewhere in Europe uh, that can really be a great addition. I still don't know if he's if he's if he's worth it to a team to be the guy on that team. Uh, I don't. I still don't know that he has that kind of capability because, again, if he did, where has his play been up until the last two months? Where right has, now, if you're talking where, about the Barco of the last two months, though, that is a player that has that. But like you're saying, you need to see is, it for but, longer. But than then, that. then the discussion becomes: Is he a player because he has somehow found a way to turn it on, or uh, is he a player because of the people around him? And so, on top of that, you if if it's if it's the former, the former. Yeah. If it's the former where you're wondering, okay, you found a way to flip it on, where has that been? And what was that flip? That, well, that to be fair, him- I think one thing that we've done with him, you know, keep in mind, he's still super young. Isn't he only like what, like 21? 22, I think. 22. That's what I'm saying. So, like, the guy's still super young. I know that in soccer, young is, you know, a little bit different because, like, young in uh, some sports is like 21, 22, 23. Young in soccer might be like 16. Uh, just depending on how good you might be, 16 might be a little low. But the the point is, like you know, I, I think a lot of it is you know maturity. I think certainly he is he has matured uh, on and off the field. And by the way, I did a little digging. I found the uh, terms you were looking for. Uh, Tata Martino romantic called overtures. Romantic, romantic overtures. Romantic overtures. Yes, that, that was me. well. That wasn't what Martino <laughs> said. Martino said an act of indiscipline. That's what but, it was. Um, who, who yes. coined romantic overtures? I think it was Dirty South Soccer. I want to say yeah. that's where that came from. Uh, but yes, uh, an act of indiscipline. And then that kind of speaks to what I'm saying. You know, he's a, he's a much more mature player now, uh, both on the field and off the field. And I think, you know, somebody got to him and just said, look, you know, you have to take that next step or else, you know, the, the next move in your career isn't going to be, uh, you know, to the east. It's going to be to the south aka back to south america or to mexico uh just because yeah you're, you're not going to uh turn any heads in europe if you're not playing well so he's certainly playing well right now and it's it look it's not just him it's it's the entirety of the team has <clears throat> really uh you know started to play very well the the def- the back line has been fantastic i mean you look at the way that you know um you look at the way that miles robinson play has been playing you look at the way that alan franco has been playing and even george campbell uh, you know, getting his uh, first goal for the team there against Orlando, uh, you know, homegrown defender. So that that's a big part of it too. It's like the players that Atlanta have have cultivated. You know, your your Miles Robinsons, your George Bellows, your uh, you know your Campbells, uh, up and down the list. I mean, players that Atlanta United have developed have, have started to come really good. So uh, especially George Bellow, I think he has been fantastic in yeah, this run of uh, uh, of you know good form for Atlanta United. So. Um, that's a guy, and and I mean, you've got George Bellow and Miles Robinson working their way into the U.S. men's national team discussion. You know, not just the U.S. men's national team, like the B team that was playing in the Gold Cup, which you know Miles Robinson had a phenomenal Gold Cup. But then you have World Cup qualifiers where both of these guys are getting in and playing meaningful minutes. So that has been another thing that's been very important for Atlanta United. I think is just the development of those players, not only getting experience in MLS, but also going and getting experience in hostile CONCACAF environments. And at the end of this podcast, by the way, there is a CONCACAF issue we have to talk about that has been happening over the last <laughs> 24 hours. We'll get to it later, but let us uh, I'll just tease it. A 60-year-old dude was playing in a CONCACAF league game last night. I love it. And it's he's way more than a dude. So we'll get to that. 60-year-old dude, I think it was the vice president. Of- he's the vice president of Suriname. 
Yeah, and he's playing also, in a game. Also owns the team. <laughs> yes. So, and, and not only that, but he was he was doing some very unsavory things in the visiting locker room after the game. I think Tease. I saw. We'll I saw, get to that later. Okay. But I, uh, yes, there's there's been a whole lot of crap going on in Concacaf, and that's the thing. I talk about hostile Concacaf environments. Like, I don't think anything sharpens you. Not sharpens you, but like. T- you know, toughens you, gives you that thick skin to play anywhere than playing road games in CONCACAF. So Miles Robinson, George Bello getting that experience has been invaluable, I think. And then, you know, you look at MLS. This is a league where, you know, it's funny. I, I do have to call Josh out because he has said at one point that like, you know, this team isn't a team that can just, you know, they need help in a lot of different areas and they're not going to be able to turn it around necessarily super quickly. Um, well, it's MLS. And I think that's what you have to think about because, you know, any, any month or from month to month, the league table can flip drastically. And that's just how the league is because you have, you know, a lot of teams that are fielded with a, not the most skilled players in the world and B just, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, it seems like there's a lot of roster turnover and flip it around. Coaches in MLS don't seem to be too patient uh, when things aren't necessarily going their way. So um, I, th- I think for a lot of different reasons, Atlanta United has certainly pounced on an opportunity. But, you know, you talk about from the beginning of the season where we're just like, well, let's just get through this season and, and hope that, you know, uh, they can find a, a replacement for Heinsohn and get kind of things going back slowly. You've jumped all the way back now to if this team continues this form, they could end up being a favorite in the East. And, they're, I mean, they're, they're a very dominant team right now. You, I, it's weird because I, did, I was not picturing this happen. I mean, I, I'm sure everyone heard the podcast and is now like, oh, look at him eating his words, which I'm happy to eat my words. This was not the team that we were watching two and a half months ago. The team we were watching two and a half months ago had barely had an attack, had no midfield, and the, and the, the back line, which I, I can't tell you how many times I got told that our back line sucks. Our back line is the worst. And it's like our back line is, was never the problem. It's like they saw goals go up and they immediately assumed that it had to be on the, on, on, on the defenders. It's not how – I know most of you understand how that works, but that's not how soccer works, uh, or that most of you understand that's not how that works. Um, and so I, I, you know, you look at the team now and no changes to the back line for the most part, other than, you know, subs, game subs to, you know, for minutes. And you've got a fantastically strong back line. Your midfield is, has been, has been kind of retooled and, and, and shaped in a way that will allow for much more. This, this team is finally able to kind of run and gun a little bit like 2017, um, it's not nearly, you know, the, the, the run and gun type of attack that, you know, you had with Almiron, but it's a close second without Uju and, and Barco kind of being able to fill those roles, uh, or, or do what, what Almiron kind of did. You're back to, you're back to looking more like that than you did before. I, 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 I don't know, like I, and I, I wish Josh were here to defend himself. So I don't want to bang on him too hard because <laughs> he had good points on, on, you on suck, uh, Josh Boo. Well, no, he had good points on Twitter that he was making. And I just sat there and I'm like, look, I just don't know how you look at the last two months and think that's not on Valentino. That's not on Pineda finding a way to, to, to put the right pieces to tactically formationally around him so that he can excel. If like, how is no one else able to do that? How was now you can excuse, you know, the Tata years for, okay, well, he was young. He was still kind of acclimating himself to the team. Um, then you had to change to Frank DeBoer and Frank DeBoer didn't seem like he knew what he was doing for the most part. And, you know, it was kind of a, kind of a crapshoot once, you know, Frank DeBoer left and then Heinz comes in and Heinz comes in and, and you're still kind of a little, 
out there in terms of the attack. But the point is, it, where was where was this where was Barco? And I, it, which makes me even more of a believer that he's a product of the players around him, um, as opposed to someone like Joseph that can do it by himself. As opposed to someone like Almiron, I would even think that Araujo is more of a guy that can do it by himself um, than than most of the players. On the Moreno seems like he he could become something like that, but it's less likely because even while he had a spectacular run against uh, DC United, you know we haven't seen that before even. Um, so it's it's not at least from him. I'm happy to see more of it, uh, but th- the pieces are all kind of coming together for Atlanta United to the point where you know they they they've got a strong back line, they've got a, an amazing attacking for right now and if they can ride that momentum they can easily again you're not catching new england but you can easily get to the point where uh the only away game you might have or the away fixtures you might have would be potentially against new england and if you can beat new england then you know well i didn't even look at the western conference but you get the point well yeah well i mean no, new england <laughs> let's not let's not get that far i guess you talk about new england that's a team that is playing damn good soccer right the, the, now but the point the best the, keeper in the league so. the point is we were hoping maybe we can get one uh, home playoff game. And now we're looking at potentially uh, being in a similar situation. I think we were in 2018 where um, so long as we won all of our games, most of the games we we're going to have would be at home in the playoffs. Right. Now, again, that is cart way before the horse. We've still got, and also the playoffs are much different than they were in 2018. Now <laughs> they, they, like, they change everything all the time. For sure. I think my, my bigger, my bigger point is that we, we weren't having these conversations two months ago and, and it Absolutely was not. a coaching issue. It was, uh, you know, t- to me, it was a Barco issue. Um, I, we, we've seen what Joseph can do regardless of whether the pieces are right around him or not. So, you know, he, I couldn't fault. The only thing you could kind of, put on him is that he wasn't back from his knee uh, knee issues yet. I will and, say that a lot of this is dependent, by the way, on that knee, because, you know, we're starting to hear some chirps that he's had to sit out a, a training session or so because he felt some discomfort in that knee. So everybody, you know, get out your, your, your voodoo, get out your, you know, whatever you have to do. It does. It does uh, make you, know, you wonder, to make sure that he's fine. It does make you wonder what happens if Joseph goes down, because we've seen the replacements or, uh, or you know, his subs and, and you're not, you know, we're not fans of Kubo Torres anymore. I don't think many of us were super big fans, but at least we had hope. Uh, we've well, lost I think at that, that point, hope. like hope was so like easy to reach for because you were at such a low point. <laughs> you know, you were like, well, I, maybe this guy who yeah. you know probably can't do anything can do something. Uh, so it just it you know we're I, like I I didn't think I was gonna be saying this, but we're in a good place right now. Even even we're in a good place. <laughs> can't i can't i can't complain too much about this team they're exciting to watch again i think that the the environment around the team is so much better than when it was with obviously frank DeBoer and um and it seemed like it was better with with Heinze, but now it looks as though this is much more a team that's that's closer to 2017 than it is to anything else and that's what we've wanted to see that's what we've been waiting for the one things that we need to look for is again, Barco's consistency, which if this is the new standard, then, you know, he's gone at the end of the year for sure. Yeah. I was going to say, if this is the new standard, then he's, get, if he enjoy play, watching if he, good Barco yeah. now. Cause he ain't going to be here that much. If longer. he plays the rest of this year, if the rest of this year, like he's playing now, then he's gone at the end of this year. There's no doubt in my mind. What was the fee uh, for him? Like 18? I want to say it was on like 18 I think it was million 18, or something yeah. like that. I, think it was I mean, 18. you're getting 30, right? If he plays this way for the rest of the season, you're easily getting 30. 
I because look, I've so heard, young. I've heard rumors. Yeah, 22. I've heard rumors that he is. Look, if he can score bangers like he did off that free kick. I've heard, it, I've, heard, I've heard he's been working. This is an unconfirmed rumor. I, I've, I don't know if this is already out there or if it's been confirmed. I heard it from someone that is just like a friend with no inside source. Uh, but I guess he heard it from <laughs> yeah, someone else. The point is, but look, I, I reached out to other people and I was like, have you heard this too? And they were like, I, yeah, I have heard that. I was like, okay, well, I'm, that's why I'm okay saying it. And if it's not true, then it's not true. But I have heard that Barco has been working with Kevin Kratz on his free kicks. Oh, so well, which makes sense because pick someone his, to work with look, his free kicks haven't been that bad lately. So maybe, maybe he, you know, that's something as you grow up, you mature a little bit more. You realize the deficiencies in your game. You're like, I'm really struggling when it comes to the free kick department. I want to be someone that can be dependent when it comes to the free kick department, specifically because I'm not a, I'm not a tall guy. I'm not a header. I'm, I'm one of the shorter guys in the field. It would make sense that I take the free kicks. Why not? You know, I think I it's hilarious them. if if we can say that like Kevin Kratz fixed Barco. Just think well, about I, that. Because Kevin Kratz, all he did was hit free kicks for Atlanta United. Nothing else. So like if, if, if like the secret sauce to Barco playing super well right now is Kevin, is Kevin Kratz. Kratz. That is kind of funny. Like just out of context, like thinking about it, that is pretty hilarious. I, look, I, I can't I can't imagine that he's that that's true, but it would be hilarious to think about. It's hilarious to think about. Um, I, I, I do wonder if maybe the Kevin Kratz smarts and, and the, the Barco ability maybe are, are meshing into one there and maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. It's pure speculation at this point, but I did hear that rumor and uh, it would make sense. I, I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, I look, you know, do big things Barco. Cause he's, he's the one that Barco is going to really help make this whole thing uh, really make us as fans happy at the end of the day. Um, at the end of the season, if he continues to to produce at the rate he's producing, because uh, he's been the to me kind of like the X factor as to whether this this season was going to work out is if he kind of got rolling. We need to see we need him to get rolling to then get everyone else rolling. I think it's kind of worked the other way around. But the point is for this season to be successful, he he had to get going in, in one way or the other. So, yeah, and it's it's super interesting, too, because like you look at. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like Barco, for example, you look at a guy like Araujo, for example, and a lot of what Atlanta United fans have been clamoring for for years has been that kind of straightforward replacement for Miguel Almiron. Well, it looks like Atlanta United kind of did it with two guys because like the way Barco's playing right now, he's sort of doing like the playmaking that Almiron used to do. And Araujo is kind of more the threatening runs and the, and the kind of hitting straight at goal. So it's almost like they filled that role finally with two guys. And, you know, it's, it's, I will say that, you know, Araujo isn't Almiron, certainly not. And Barco isn't Almiron, but you are looking for that playmaking ability that Almiron gave you. And you're getting that from kind of multiple spots now in different ways. It's not, yeah, not it, definitely, it's, I was gonna say definitely not in the same way, but it's, it's no. still that impact. Then that's what yes, you wanted. That's, that yes. Impact. And that's what I'm saying. Like you're using two different guys to give you that same impact on the offensive side of the ball. And it's working. It's working for Atlanta United right now. And, and they need to just, you know, keep that going. You know, you, you, you don't mess with something that isn't broken. And right now Atlanta United certainly isn't broken. I think we all expected Araujo to kind of come together at some point when it came to him scoring goals and, um, you, you saw him in the first couple of games bang out the post, get close. I, I kept hearing the pity 
comparisons when it came to the shots that he missed. I think I've said it already on the podcast, but the thing that the difference between the, 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 the shot selection and then the execution of those shots from say outside the box is that Araujo was a lot closer than pity was normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I have a feeling you're going to see more, uh, more attempts from outside the box, you know, from, from that, from that right side, you're going to see more moments uh, where Araujo kind of tries to dribble past defenders stuff that we've been missing for a while, stuff that we've needed to kind of open up. It, Cause all of a sudden with, with, more with Araujo than, than, than Barco, but with Barco here a little bit, uh, all of a sudden you're seeing, you know, Atlanta finding a way to counter Atlanta, find a way to kind of hit him on the break. Uh, normally what we would see happen is, is not that we would see them kind of, okay, we've got the ball. We re, re repossess the ball. We're going to hold possession for a little bit, circulate the ball a little bit, uh, find the good passes, find the perfect shot. We're going to score. And, and, you know, the scoring thing was, you know, hit or miss more miss and hit, but now it's much more open, much more free flowing. And, um, and, and you gotta, as a fan, you gotta like what you see. I think, um, Guzan lately has been playing fantastic. You, you we've already mentioned the back line. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I, 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 it's, I wish Josh were here to give us the kind of, uh, what he thinks tactically has been going on because I can tell you what I think, but, um, I, it's, he can break it down a lot better than, than, than I could. Well, I think but, simply but like bigger, for us to bigger, say, it's just, it, it, the, the team has just been, you know, playing a lot more of that sort of turn it from defense into attack, counterattacking, you know, really, uh, you know, just, just the ability to stop on a dime yeah. or, and turn defense from attack. That's what is, is, and look, that's obviously a very rudimentary way of saying it. Josh would give you a lot more in terms of the tactical breakdown, but that's what they've been doing. They just kind of got back to what Atlanta United fans were used to seeing from this team. And that's a team that can absorb and then turn it around. It's almost like, um, you know how uh, the the Black Panther suit works. I, you're probably not the right person to talk to about this. Um, I do not like but, Marvel movies, no. But like the Black Panther, like you know, he, he people punch him and hit him or whatever, and his suit absorbs all of that kinetic energy, and he can then turn that around and unleash it. Like that's yeah. exactly what Atlanta United is doing. You're absorbing, turning, running. Like, and that's what that's what Atlanta United's been good at in the past, and that's what they're that's pretty much what's been doing it now other than just a lot more solid ball movement is another thing too. Those are the two big things. Well, it's forward ball movement is, is, right. is a lot more forward ball movement, a lot more uh, direct play. And, and cause I don't think a lot has changed formationally. I think most of what has been changed is it's, it's the tactics behind the formation and how players get forward and kind of the freedom George Bellow has the freedom uh, um, Lennon has Um Moreno dropping deeper, um, you know, having having a six in either Sosa or I forget who played last week uh, to kind of help, kind of help clean things up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been, it's just been more fun to watch. And and you're watching this team; they look like they're having more fun playing the game. And that's not something. Uh, that's not something that we've seen they've been back for a while i think i saw the title for five strike final saying that they might be finally back i think we've been just kind of waiting for kind of the dam to break on all this and then to have like a string of bad games uh and so i guess in a sense they're right but they've clearly been at least from their perspective they've been back for a while they've been back for at least a full month and uh, we've been just kind of i think most of us have just been kind of waiting for 
the moment where we realize, ah, that was, that was nice when we had it. Now it's back to reality where we're, you know, fighting for a playoff spot at all, you know, just all together and, um, you know, looking to looking to at least make it. And now we're, we're sitting here kind of, it's almost like playing with house money at this point. It's like, okay, well, we're here. We're in the playoff spot now. How far can we go? How far can we take it before it all kind of comes? Well, not hopefully before, before, you know, Atlanta, about to say it comes crashing. Well, because I, I don't think it's going to come crashing down, but there is a chance maybe they level get, out a little. They bit. Could, could get like say punched in the face by say a New England, really get brought down to earth, and then how, like how do you handle a? Because I I think at some point a bad loss is going to come. I think yeah, I'll say that in I'll runs agree. like these, you're going to get a bad or, or or even an unlucky loss that just turns into because of the way it turns out uh, becomes a bad loss an unlucky turn of events or something like that. I know I'm talking like somebody gets hurt or anything like that, but you run into a team that just on the day is better and they put three up against you and you can't find a way to score one. And so you, how do you handle that adversity with, with how things have gone uh, up until now? Um, I, I think that this team can handle that kind of stuff pretty well, considering, you know, they did have such a kind of garbage start to the season, how they had a, you know, a garbage last season that I think most of this team can handle that kind of adversity. So I think they jump back, uh, jump back pretty quickly, but we're yet to see that after having seen this, this really good run of form for them. So it's, you know, I have high hopes. I have, as long as Joseph's knee is, is, isn't a big issue, which exactly. Um, yeah, Knock like on said, wood. it looks like it's come, like, it looks like he's mistraining and look, I, I, I had my surgery around the same time as him. I'm obviously not a professional athlete. Uh, I don't have the professional, you know, rehab treatments that, that he clearly has, but I can tell you feeling something in your knee can, can take you out for, 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 for a week, for two weeks. Uh, it can really do some, it can mess with your mind a little bit. Like the, there's a lot that goes into it. Not just, does he feel healthy? It could just be a mental thing that maybe he, he felt something at whatever scar tissue. Like it could be a million different things that have nothing yeah. to do with the structural uh, integrity of his knee. Uh, but, uh, but hopefully that's just, that's nothing. Hopefully if, if need be, he sits out a week and then it's back to back, back to normal. And um, we find a way to kind of survive while he's, while he's out. That's the other thing, because there's so many kind of weapons on this team. Joseph is the one that you wouldn't want to lose among the three or among the four. But, well, of course not. That, that's but, the guy that's putting him in the back of the net the most. Right. But if, 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 you know, I, I feel more confident now this team playing the way it, it, it is that you can get production out of Barco, that you can get production out of Uju, you can get production out of Moreno um, should Joseph go down for a week or two. And you have I mean, to I think one thing you got to, yeah. I think one thing you got to look at though, like just, you know, obviously we hope Joseph's going to be okay, is that you just kind of look at the, the remaining schedule for Atlanta United. I mean, they get Toronto twice. So that's obviously good because they're a dumpster fire. You get the Red Bulls, which is good because they're not very good either. But the rest of the teams you got on your schedule are kind of right there in the thick of things with you uh, in terms of the playoff race. I mean, you're playing Philly, you're playing Air Miami, you're playing Montreal, who's kind of surprising a lot of people, uh, NYCFC. So, I mean, you know, uh, and you get Cincinnati again, which, you know, we saw what Atlanta did to Cincinnati last time. But, you know, it's one of those things where the schedule's kind of even. You've got, you know, some pretty poor teams that hopefully you can beat up on. And then, yeah, you're going to get tested a little bit by by a Philadelphia, by an NYCFC, by a Montreal. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Atlanta United kind of negotiate that schedule. But, you know, good, good form is good form, and Atlanta United certainly has it right now. 
Yeah, this weekend, Atlanta takes on the Philadelphia Union. Um, 3.30 kick, probably 3.50 kick. Um, So we'll see how they do. It'll be a a good little test for them to see uh, where they still are. That'll be a a 6-7 matchup. Basically, whoever wins is going to overtake the other one. And again, this is a a matchup that Atlanta United is going to want to win because of where they sit uh, in the table. They're going to want to keep up with everyone that's kind of bunched up together. They also want to make progress on Nashville. Uh, who's in that second spot with 41 points, uh, which again, is also Atlanta, kind of unbelievable. Yeah. Atlanta, Atlanta United with 36 points, Montreal in fifth with 37, Orlando city with 38 and fourth, uh, New York city in third with 38 and then Nashville with, uh, in second with 41. And then of course you got new England at the top spot with uh, 56 points. Um, and then again, looking at the West, just so that you can kind of keep in your mind as to how these home playoff games could go down, assuming, or I guess in this point, we're talking MLS Cup. So, yeah, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, but you got Sporting KC at 46 points uh, in the number one spot. And you've got everyone kind of bunched up there, uh, one through six within 10 points of, uh, of, that, of that top spot in the West. Just from what I've seen, though, I would say KC and Seattle are probably the two teams you're probably going to most likely be one of those two teams be facing if you do get that far. Yeah, I mean, Sporting KC is scoring goals, so they're, so they're playing and some unreal soccer, man. They've yeah. got that uh, Hungarian guy Saloy who's playing out of his mind, and then Johnny Russell's been, you know, really good for them for a long time. Yeah. Uh, Are you ready talk- for uh, this week? And uh, as Concacaf goes, yeah, do it. <laughs> All right. So last night <laughs> in a Concacaf League match, uh, you had Olympia from. Uh, Suriname going up against um, Inter Muengatapo. I mean, uh, this, is, this is your thing. I have no idea how to pronounce these things. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> so yes, the Suriname team uh, is the Concacaf League game, and the vice president of Suriname, a guy by the name of Ronnie Brunswick. I don't know exactly how you pronounce that. Uh, he gets into the game, so he's sixty years old. He owns a team, playing the game. Uh, he will not be allowed to play in the return leg, by the way, because he cannot travel out of Suriname because he is wanted by Interpol for drug trafficking crimes. <laughs> I did not know that part. Yes. They did not, they the did not talk about that on the broadcast. The politician is well used to controversy uh, owing to his past as a guerrilla and drug trafficker. He also robbed banks in his youth and has fathered 50 children. Um, so yes, he is, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm not doubting your, your, your inside sources here, but how, how confirmed are we on these stories? This is from Marca. Uh, you know, this is the, one of the, the biggest Spanish, uh, you know, newspapers in terms of, uh, you know, covering soccer. So I would trust Marca uh, about as well as I would trust anybody else in the, in the soccer, uh, journalism game. Um, but the craziest thing from last night was <laughs> a video has emerged of uh, Vice President of Suriname, Ronnie Brunswick, uh, heading into the Olympia locker room after the game, the opposing team, and handing out money. He's just, he just, he went into the opposing team's locker room. It was just handing out cash. Do you have a bet? Or like, could he, like, I have, have to, no idea. He trying to avoid taxes for the money he stole? Like, what's the going crazy on? thing was this dude played 54 minutes last night and uh, the game was on TUDN. And apparently, the broadcasters for TUDN after Ronnie Brunswick, a 60 year old 
played 54 minutes, they said, now we can say finally that we're 11 v 11. Look, CONCACAF, man, CONCACAF is the best. It is absolutely the best. I watched just a few minutes of that game. When I saw the, the, the tweets about that, I turned it on. I caught like the opening of the second half. 60 year old. And dude when I there, tell man. you this guy's got the beer belly, he does not yes. look like he belongs in the field. Uh, he, the way he's running is, is not athletic at all. Uh, like he's running, he's running. It looked like he was running straight up. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. It looked like he wasn't like leaned forward running or anything like that. It looked like he was just like a stick running. That's how, that's what it looked like. I mean, this has to be uh, the first a, time a, somebody wanted by Interpol has played in a professional soccer match, right? I mean, maybe not. Soccer is pretty dicey with FIFA and everything, but you'd think that's wanted by Interpol. It can't leave the country. Look, it, 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 do they have like no extradition? I guess. I guess Suriname is not I an extradition know. country. Yeah. I wonder, like, well, if you know where he is, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Him, well, I mean, but you know what happened in that Brazil, uh, Argentina, uh, Copa America match? The uh, the Brazilian federal like uh, health officials stopped the match. They walked right onto the field because they knew where the guys were. So it's like, yeah, if Interpol, they could, if there is an extradition or something, you know where the dude is. He's playing 54 minutes in the CONCACAF league. (laughs) Run that rap sheet by me again. Yes, I will do that. So again, the guy's the vice president of Suriname. Uh, How he got to that level with that rap sheet. Good for him. That is quite the campaign. Yeah, and he lined up for Inter Moengatapo, uh, the team that he owned. And yes, his rap sheet, again, uh, he cannot leave the country, so he can't play in the return leg because he's wanted by Interpol for drug trafficking crimes. Uh, he has a history as a guerrilla. Uh, you know, I'm sure there was some civil war or something going on in Suriname. And then he also robbed banks in his youth. And uh, the kicker is that he has 50, uh, it says he has fathered some 50 children. That's impressive. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, what's the most interesting thing about this guy? And you, it's, it's a debate Sp- because there are plenty of interesting one. things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good grief. 50 kids, drug trafficker, vice president of Suriname, and, and now owns professional the football And owns the team. Yeah. Just good for him. That, that is CONCACAF. Like I didn't think CONCACAF could get any more CONCACAF. And then this happened. And like, not only was it like him playing, like I even tweeted, I was like, Oh, you didn't think CONCACAF could go harder. They've got a 60 year old dude out on the field right now. Who's the vice president of the country. And then later on, I see the tweet about him handing out cash in the other team's locker room. I'm like, that's even more CONCACAF than the fact that he was playing in the game. I'd love to know why he's handing out money. That's the thing I, that has and let, like, yet. did he have a bet with the other team and they clearly lost the bet? I, or he clearly <laughs> lost. I don't know. I, don't I look, know. I, I saw him get a, I saw him take a pass in midfield and it, I think it basically just went right through his legs. And he maybe was just nobody like tackled him or something. Like maybe he like went to them before the game and was like, Hey, don't make me look bad. And I'll give you some money. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure they just hands up in the air saying, look, I, I don't think we're going to have a problem there. We won't yeah. touch you. You're going to make yourself look bad. Whatever. I don't know. CONCACAF, baby. Imagine Arthur Blank just like one day suiting up, getting on the field. Like, I, I've decided I want to play. I mean, Arthur's play. a good bit older than 60, but still. I, I'm just saying, imagine. I think we would also <laughs> we would all support it for about 10 minutes. We'd all be very yeah. happy. And then, you know, all right. It, There'd be some was, people in the supporter section that thought it was cool, I think. This was fun. Let's sub you off before you get hurt. Dude, 10 minutes. <laughs> one minute. Are you kidding? Like 30 seconds. <laughs> 
The guy's like in his eighties, isn't just he? Makes you, it just makes you happy. We have an owner like Arthur blank, who is, who's reasonable and, 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 and just lets Atlanta United do its thing and doesn't Dude try to 78 meddle. years old. I bet he, I bet he, you know, he could probably nutmeg someone. Yeah, we'll see. No, All we right. won't. <laughs> Any final thoughts uh, from you? Uh, my friend, I got nothing, man. That that Concacaf stuff, man. That is just what did it. Yeah, bring? that that's the that's the confederation that the United States is a part of. <laughs> we'll be watching uh, Atlanta United take on Philadelphia Union on Saturday. Until then, see you later, Atlanta. See you.